We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He turns. He fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Weber back to Bibby. Has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet. Put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the Kings Beat Podcast. I am James Hamm, Kings Insider for ESPN 1320 and the Kings Beat. Joining me today, Fox 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? I'm older, I'm dumber, and I'm feeling pretty good. Huh? Overall, he is a, yeah. A year older now. Sean Even had a dumber, huh? Yeah. Yeah, you get older and dumber. People think you get older and wiser. I think that happens to a point and because like when you're a kid, you get older and wiser. So you're still in the older and wiser category. I think once awesome. you get thirty, when you get thirty, you're just it's you're dumber after that. Like so, you get older and dumber the, the longer you go. So look what you so that's what you got to look forward to. James and I have been older and dumber for a while. This is random. I don't know where so, Sean's I'm four years from my peak is what you're saying here. That's right. No, yeah. you're just gonna start going downhill. Downhill yeah. in the sense that you're gonna get stupider, but uh, <laughs> you know you're more mature and. Um, Sure. <laughs> Four years away from peak friends. <laughs> 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 Excuse me. Um, I have a, a sniffle. Uh, like it just seems like we just keep getting these things like floating around. Uh, but of course, joining us today as well is Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? Doing well. Doing well. Um, nothing special. I got a podcast calendar here. Uh, calendar. Podcast. Hmm. Uh, candle here i think this is a new one uh lavender and cedarwood have i shown you this one before i think the lavender cedarwood i've i've heard before it might be yeah it might have been huge cedar i'm not a huge cedar fan because that smells like the inside of like a hope chest or or like a a oh yeah there's we got the sassy candle got his sassy candle today i will say I was curious to see how it would smell because again, Sean assumed it would smell like shit. Let's just start with I that. Know. Well, I thought it was a joke candle. Like, I, or, <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know it was going to smell bad. I was going to say, for the record, if you all and you two know, I smell great. So um, there it is. I always have some cologne on. The, the, featuring a feisty blend of spice and back talk, as uh, Brendan laid out in the previous podcast when he had it in his possession. It is now in mine. It is now lit and uh, not a lot of aroma coming from it. It's a little subdued. So I feel like. It should smell like a Rihanna cologne, 
but it doesn't. So well, yeah, we'll get there. It's Maybe you just good, douse it with a little Rihanna cologne. There you go. That's <laughs> not flammable the, or anything. The, yeah, yeah. The house. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, welcome in, everybody. If you're here watching on YouTube, we ask every single podcast, if you don't mind giving us a thumbs up. Uh, if you're not already subscribed, subscribe to the channel. That would be amazing. We would love it. Uh, go to thekingsbeat.com and become a premium subscriber to The King's Beat. That way you get invitations to all of the festivities here at The King's Beat. Uh, let's see, what else we got? Uh, in addition, we are a Blue Wire podcast brought to you by Prize Picks. So jump on board with Prize Picks. I keep getting absolutely mauled by my prize picks every single game, but I'm still having a great time. So uh, there is a link below to the prize pick, uh, to the Kings Beat prize pick link, and uh, you can jump on board and, and have a good time. Um, hopefully you do much better than I do. I suggest to anyone out there that really wants to do prize picks, just go look at my prize picks and whatever I choose, choose like three that you think, oh, that guy's an idiot. And choose those ones because chances are you'll win. Um, that would be my suggestion. Uh, Prize Picks, of course, is a sponsor of ours. Um, but again, it's a great way to add to your your sports watching. And uh, the cool thing is you can prize pick. Uh, like tonight, there's a Thursday night football game. Uh, there's games tomorrow, NBA. Uh, there's NFL and NBA on Saturday. You can basically jump on board with multiple sports at the same exact price pick, choose more, choose less, have a good time playing, play responsibly, and uh, jump on board with price picks. Uh, down below, you'll again see a link, and uh, down below, uh, or in the email, or anywhere else. Um, but again, it's a good time. Uh, let's do, get to this. And do the and do the opposite of James, because that'll bode well for you. I think so. Like, uh, I think we could get to the. Like it's a good segue to go straight from why I was so unsuccessful in price picks uh, yesterday. Um, really, I, I mean, I, I thought I did an okay job choosing two Celtics players and going more, but then the Sacramento Kings uh, were really good for a half and then decided they didn't want to play basketball anymore. Um, what were your guys's takeaways from just the overall dynamic of the loss to the Celtics, because we have a team playing on the second night of a back-to-back, -back, a team that's playing without their best player in Jason Tatum, without a really good big man in Al Horford. They're playing the third night, the third game in four days, and the one day off they had, they had to travel from Boston to San Francisco. Like this team should have been dog tired, and they went out and mauled the Sacramento Kings, especially in the second half. I mean, it's really that it's that you get out hustled by this scene you know there's certainly more details that they could have cleaned up but you give up you know 30 fast break points to this team that like james just mentioned should have been the ones with a little more wear on their tires and you also gave up 18 second chance points and a lot of that is is effort and attention to detail and i think that's really the inexcusable part there are obviously larger themes about just dealing with size that we've seen the kings struggle with throughout the course of this season but getting outworked by a, a team with that sort of schedule coming in and, and the difference in rest really stands out and the Celtics always give the Kings problems it seems like and again you could point to the size a little bit there um, but this was an opportunity to sort of have add a statement win to your record and 
the Kings just totally dropped the ball. Like, like you said, they played well in that first half offensively. I still think defensively they were really bad in that first half and that defense carried over, but the offense didn't. Yeah, I, it's well said. Uh, look, this, this loss really stemmed from what happened against the wizards in my mind, you go up 131 points to the wizards and they were awful. Um, they, they put up fight against you. Uh, and I feel like the Kings get tend to get comfortable. They get comfortable relying on their offense and the, we've been talking about it all season long. So it's nothing new. Um, you, they have a very difficult time defending and look, there people aren't asking for much when it comes to defensive uh, focus in fact, talking to Keegan Murray today, it's like, now ah, if we could just be average defenders, we would be, it would go a long way. Like we, we would be able to win games better and, and, and have much more success on the defensive end. They just have zero um, give a damn when it comes to defense. And they're with, and what it looks like to me is that they try to, you know, try to try to use a high level of scoring to mask some of that. You can't do that against a team like the Celtics. Like like it or not, that is a premier elite. And yes, I'm saying elite football team. And I'm not going to make a mountain out of a molehill. This is who you are. And look, teams that that aren't elite use excuses for back-to-backs and road trips and all that. Like elite teams don't have to talk about that. They bring it every night. You know what you're going to get from night in, night out. They have talent throughout their roster that are two-way players. Um, that's why they were able to um, give up on a guy like Marcus Smart in efforts to make them even that much more that much better. Um, you, you've got someone like Porzingis who is a problem for the Sacramento Kings. Uh, so yeah, you lose someone like Jason Tatum, and you also have hungry guys throughout that roster, and every one of them shoot threes like lights out. And perimeter defense is awful with the Kings. So. It, it it speaks more to where the Kings are defensively. I don't think that the Kings took a major step backwards by any means in terms of where they are in the grand scope of their season. They're six games over 500. I actually felt really good about the Kings going into that game, to be honest, based off of, you know, those excuses that, like I just laid out, that good teams might use, but elite teams don't. I thought that they might have a foot off the gas moment uh, from the Celtic standpoint. And I thought the Kings have honestly shown something in this winning five of six coming into that game, but the defense is nowhere to be found. And, and with the minute they get kind of punched in the mouth, even a little bit, there's like this wilt that just happens. And that to me is a little bit more staggering, but you had some guys that, you know, you see someone like De'Aaron Fox who can go out and do what he does. Um, and, and then get held to three shots the rest of the way. Like, yeah. like that that's what elite teams do. They force you into uncomfortable positions. They make adjustments and the Kings just weren't able to do it. And then they just had everybody on. Like that was a game where you, you're, you're shooting 20 plus threes. You made 20 threes in that game. Usually that's a recipe for a Kings win and it didn't work out for them. Sean, just, all of the metrics were, were weird. The numbers, like I'm sure Brandon's yeah. going to bring up something like the fact that the Kings had like 29 assists, only seven turnovers. But how do you have seven turnovers and give up 30 fast break points? Like, what in the world? That's like nearly impossible. That means you just didn't get back on defense. It's straight up. You didn't even try. So I'm uh, I'm of the opinion that, like, yes, it's one game. But it's one game that speaks to a much larger theme of this season. And that is 
when the Kings, when things go bad, they just like walk away from a game. And I don't think like this year, uh, uh, last season's team was so resilient. That was like what they were. They were resilient. They won all these close games early in the season and you were watching them build something. They were learning this year. It almost feels like ah, we're not going to win this one. Let's go. Who, who else wants to play? Cause I'm, I'm done tonight. Uh, I'll bow out. That's what it feels like. And, and to me, it's really shocking that seven of their 10 uh, losses are, are basically blowouts. One of those is a 10 point loss. Everything else is much greater than that. You know, we're talking about 25, 30 point blowouts. They just have not competed on a night in and night out basis, which is what, uh, you know, which is, I think it's the most shocking thing to me. Brenda, did you have something else? Yeah. Well, to that point, like Mike Brown likes to mention the Warriors team that I think won like 58 games. I forget if it's 12, 13, 13, 14, 14, 15, it's somewhere in there with KD. Um, I went back and looked that team lost nine games by 15 plus the Kings are, you know, already more than halfway to that number a quarter of the way through the year. So I get Mike Brown's point, but obviously this is more dramatic with this Kings team. Um, but I, th I think your point of the offense is, is big here. Like they played really well offensively. Mike Brown mentioned it at practice today. Boston is fifth in defensive rating. The Kings put up 119, 47% from the field, 47% from three as well. Um, obviously the free throws are a little bit of an issue, but it, it's just all that defense, you know, before that wizards game, they're sitting at 15th, which sounds like a big improvement from last year. You give up 131, you fall to 17th and then you give up 144 to Boston. They're sitting at 22nd. Now after yep. two games, they fell from 15th to 22nd. Like, it's it's the defense really like well the and, the, and the, the reality too is it, it when it comes to those to defensive rating like you really can't get a, a solid read on a team when you're only 25 26 yeah. games into the season you almost need a truer a bigger sample size because the ratings like you mentioned brennan they'll change daily dramatically from from game in and game out and look it was weird like you just look around the nba and I, I think it just speaks more to where the NBA is in recent memory, especially these last two seasons. Like scoring is just way up. Obviously, defense, no one's really playing it. I mean, I I was floored looking at it the other day that the Kings have only stopped a team from getting to 100 points once this season. Um, and, and and if you even find a good team like Boston, I bet you it's it, – there. I mean, there, there's maybe obviously twice. several more. But, yeah, I mean, you're probably talking maybe – at most maybe five and I haven't, I haven't looked, but there might even be more, but it wouldn't even be that much, I, you know? So um, scoring is way up and you're seeing a lot of lopsided scores. And this is what you see early in the NBA season. But uh, the, I think the alarming part about it is just how frequently you're seeing it. And to your point, James, when you're talking about, you know, Hey, when you lose and you're getting your head kicked in and the non-compete to me, it just feels like there's, like last season, they had so many games that went down to the wire. And I think they improved as a result of that. I think this I agree. season, I, I think this season you're coming in and it's like deficits tend to like, you've seen them battle back from, from 20 point deficits and um, make it competitive again and all that stuff. But it, to me, it, it, it just a little bit few and far between. It seems like, okay, this is what type of night it's going to be. And then it, there's almost an acceptance of it because, oh, well, it's early or anything like that. Or, you know, I, I don't know where that comes from. I, I, I hate to call it a lack of compete as James does, 
but I don't blame James for, for, for saying that, like, because there are moments where it does look like that. I feel like that there's almost an acceptance of it and it's like, okay, on to the next one immediately, you know, the, the flush it move on kind of thing. And, uh, somehow some way, maybe it's maybe getting out on the road a little bit that they have to, uh, kind of find a way to be able to change that mindset a bit for what yeah, I think Austin held teams under 104 times this year. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And I'm okay with the flush it, move it, move it on. Move, you know, this game's over, like move on. That's after the final whistle. That's after you do your media. That's, that's what you say when, Hey, we just got to forget about this. Have a short memory. We all got to be goldfish and let's just go on to the next game. That to me is an acceptable with three minutes, three minutes into the third quarter. Like I, I, it's just, again, you said that they've rallied back from some big deficits like once. Like I remember the Warriors game. They came well, you're talking about, you're talking about a win, right? I'm looking at it in just terms of making it competitive again. There was the second Pelicans game. They brought yeah. it back. Yeah. The but to that Pelicans point, just it, to that point, it's just it's 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 just a weird um, acceptance of of the game as it unfolds. And sometimes I get a little critical of, for example, like you know they live and die by the three, and that seems to be you know so such a, a trait of this team that sometimes they don't recognize quickly enough that hey, you know, when we get into the paint, we're having success like on a pretty regular basis and and your in your mm-hmm. your point your your win loss record kind of speaks for itself in that moment um there's just this like you know sometimes they're not as quick to to recognize it somehow some way but when when big leads blossom or explode into a bigger deficit it, that part to me it feels like there's just a let up or it's like okay well this is just what it's going to be we just have to chuck a bunch of threes to try and get back into it like like in yeah. semi-pro with will ferrell like no that's not like, like you can't just be solely reliant upon that and you have to give a damn on the other end yeah <laughs> they need totally... somebody to wrestle a bear at halftime yes. that's exactly what they need yeah look at call, that call the official... a... i've seen Brandon it i've seen reference. it because it's a basketball movie <laughs> right <laughs> no comment. yeah i get what you're saying sean um you know i there is like there's always this moment of let up and I don't know how to fix that. I just know that like asking Mike Brown or, or Keon Ellis, the lone representative from the Sacramento Kings who showed up at the podium last night, uh, who's on a two way contract making $550,000 a year, not uh, something much larger. Um, like I asked the question to both of them about this, like the, the just like let down to just like, it looks like you're not even competitive. It looks like you're, you guys are just like you check out at a certain point. And, and I would even say like Keon is one of the few guys who doesn't do that. The way that Keon earned his way into the rotation was by not being that guy, by coming into a game that they were getting stomped in Houston and just fighting and, and trying to get the team back in the game. And he makes an impression and next thing you know, he's playing. So I think of everybody that should have walked to the podium, Keon Ellis is probably maybe the last guy because he's the one guy that we know has even earned his spot in a rotation by not doing that, by not being that guy. But I'll just keep saying this, like Keon Ellis is his spot in the rotation. I don't think it's been a permanent thing. It's becoming more and more permanent because every time these situations happen, which is way too often, Keon Ellis is the one guy who keeps bombing, who keeps hitting his shots, who keeps, keeps fighting through screens, who keeps playing hard. 
And then you got a bunch of other guys who keep coming in the game and almost tricking off the game, even though they're out of the rotation. And I think like we saw Mike Brown has rewarded a player for fighting in these situations specifically. And all of these other players have had opportunities to do what he did and they haven't taken advantage at all. So had tip to Keon for actually, you know, not only sitting in and taking tough questions, uh, which had realistically nothing to do with him, except for the fact that he shares the same Jersey that everyone else does in Sacramento. Uh, like it was a bunch of other dudes who weren't playing hard. It wasn't Keon Ellis, but uh, like, I, I just find it really interesting that like, this is the guy that represents them. It's like, Hey, can we get someone who didn't play hard? Because you, you got a few of them in there. We're, we're going to need to talk to those guys. And then to have Mike Brown, like he, like in a weird way, blamed it on officials, not on the officials, but on his team's reaction to what they deem as bad officiating. And it's like, okay, so your team gets a couple of bad calls, which they did in the early third quarter. And then they give up like, okay, well, they also did get to the free throw line twice in the first minute in the second half. And, they missed two out of three free throws. Like, so like whatever momentum you would have gained by getting the, those calls, it was left there on the table too. Just kind of and a was, weird way. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What was interesting about that moment too is there was a moment on the bench. It was Malik Monk trying to tell the coaches to shut up. And he was stop yelling at the coaches, yelling man. at him. Yeah, who and and Malik got his ear full from Mike Brown in that game too for the not closing out on uh, on Derek White uh, as if he was the only one. But that one's certainly the most egregious at the I, moment. I, I'm still <laughs> wondering who is defending Peyton Pritchard. I think he's still like Golden <laughs> One Center, just hitting wide open threes from like literally the same exact spot on the floor. It's like there's an X there the Peyton Pritchard spot and he's just sitting there like, no, this is, this is easy. Anyone else want to join me? The the crazy part to me too, is like Mike Brown made a point of saying after last night's loss that he used this example and he's done it before of LeBron James speaking out about when he coached him, you know, and, and getting in the face of other teammates to talk about them being a show team on defense. And it's like, no, this is what we are. You do your job, you do your job and using obviously some profanity along the way to get them to do their job. And it was like a moment where they, a turning point for them and, and 
for their not only their season but for the years ahead and how they were defensively going forward um i hear what he's saying and i hear the moments he's talking about with guys like tim duncan and bruce bowen and things like that but you're talking about guys that have that dog in them on def- on defense and have like doing things that are not outside their personality you know you have people on this team that aren't really that guy and if they all of a sudden showed to be that guy i don't know that it would be taken seriously um Darren fox for example is not a guy who's going to get in the face of other people it's just not who he is uh Demonis sabonis does and and he does quite often get in the face of guys and he'll he'll tell people but the problem is you don't have enough of that you know it, a lot of the what they do is a little bit more subdued and a little bit more big picture and and try to continue to have conversations and believe me those conversations work but in the moment when you need something like what Mike Brown illustrated with LeBron James and spouting off, they just don't really have that. And the people that do don't really carry the cachet uh, outside of really Domas, but even Domas isn't going to jump the shit of everybody every time. If you do it every time, you're just going to get, you know, X'd out. So uh, it's a him drawing that picture. I understand what he's trying to get, but it's like, people have to have that within them. They have to have that in their makeup and, and this collection of players and the ones that truly, truly matter. And the ones that you want to rely on doing that, do it in different ways. And there's no right or wrong answer. You could have someone jump the shit of somebody else and get in their face. It's still not work. So does it mean that, that, you know, that that it was impactful? No, you know, the results can still not be there. Well, and I tried to ask coach a little bit about that today. Um, uh, about like, you know, asking for that internal leadership and De'Aaron saying he's a guy that leads by example. And obviously you see that, like, how do you get that out of him or, or expect that from him in a way? Like, do you need a certain personality? And as Sean said, he kind of pointed towards Tim Duncan, Steph Curry, that earlier in their career, they didn't have to be those guys. They had veterans that were able to do it. And that the quieter leaders, that the moments they do speak, you're really going to listen because it's not often that you hear it. Like if, if we saw De'Aaron yelling at his teammates, like I'm sure that would resonate, you know, because he only, he never does it. So if it got to the point where he was heated enough to be doing that and felt like he needed to, I think it would hit, but I also don't think it's necessarily fair. And I'm not saying you guys are doing this, but um, to like point, I, I don't know how to feel about pointing towards him for that because I do think it's a personality thing. Like, I, you can't expect somebody to just be a different person, but there is definitely an acknowledgement of you need something internally there. So Brendan and Sean have both advocated for the Kings to trade for Draymond Green. Your thoughts? <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, I, Brendan, uh, you're what you're talking about. We've talked about many, many times on this podcast, like De'Aaron Fox is, is an introvert he's not a anxious introvert he's he definitely has like his moments but he's a guy who prefers to stay at home and play video games as opposed to going out he's he is a quieter guy and when he does speak um it does carry weight and you're hoping that over time that there will be more and more of those moments but at this point i think we see the way he carries himself on the court the way he talks to the opposition those are ways in which he is like sort of putting himself out there in a different way, even the way he talks to officials, which is snarky. And I don't think it's always very pleasant, Um, but you're seeing that he does have that. It's just 
when it comes to the overall like making noise that's not him and maybe the kings still have that void maybe they still need to go get that guy i mean clearly the kings could use a more physical presence whether it's whatever position it is that's just physicality is a huge issue with this team i'll you know i've i've said for the last couple of years like length and athleticism but it sort of seemed like like bigger wings that are physical is where the Kings just like, they don't have an answer and maybe they will. Maybe Keegan Murray will become that guy. Maybe even Keegan Murray will become that guy for the Kings where he's actually that, that physical, you know, wing player that does, does things that, you know, that other teams can't stop. Um, but they aren't there yet. And that's kind of like what we keep coming back to. Like, what are your expectations for this team and how do you get there? And can you get there with the, current 15 players that are on this roster and i think all of us are still like at a tentative like i'm not quite sure or i don't think so and i think this can be a really really good team but if you want to talk about a contending team you just faced a contending team without their best player and they had five guys dropped more than 20 points like that's not exactly convincing to me that this team is ready for prime time that they're ready to and it's early it is, you know, they can improve throughout the well, season. Also, but, d- d- not to cut you off, Jay, I'm sorry, but like, don't you, you already knew that, right? Like, <laughs> like, yes, no one's, no one's talking about the Kings as being, you know, that team, like that the Celtics are, um, and, and that's fine. I mean, it's December. It doesn't mean they can't ascend there. They may not ascend there all season and, and, and that would be fine. I mean, what, like people who have like, like the team should have championship expectations. That's, that's a team thing, but, but people mm-hmm. who cover and follow the team use a little bit more, you know, reason and, and play logic. the long game a little bit logic and say that, no, you're, you're probably not that team, right? You should have known that before stepping foot on the court against the Boston Celtics. Hmm. And like to the internal leadership, just to add to it, like kind of a big impression I've got of the addition of, Juan Toscano Anderson is his locker room presence and like what he brings. And he has a familiarity with a lot of the coaching staff, Mike Brown, Leandro Barbosa, Luke Laux, and he can kind of echo that. And that's great. That's great to have, but like it can't be your 15th and 13th guy that we're talking about here. No, I mean, Brendan, that's a, it's a really, really good point. It just can't be some, you know, even JaVale McGee, like it can't be JaVale McGee being the big noisy voice because if he's not playing well, or if he's not even playing, then where are you getting that voice? The voice isn't on the court. So yeah, I think that this team, it has a like plenty of work to do. I know I'm going to bring this up. I don't want to touch it on, on it a ton, but um, like Kevin O'Connor from the ringer is like drawn the ire of Sacramento Kings fans for basically saying the same thing we just said. Yeah, it, it realistically is like, like I, I don't think that, like he's not a 100% spot on that the the Boston Celtics didn't just ruin the Sacramento Kings and and that there's no way that this team is getting out of the first round. I think that's trash. I think mainly his takes on Demonte Sabonis have been like really really poorly crafted and he just anytime Demonte Sabonis has a bad game, he loves to run and like point it out. But overall, I think that there is some validity to the fact that like the Kings don't have enough size. It's something that we've said a million times. They don't have enough physicality. They don't have some of the depth that you might need. And 
like getting to a championship is is going to be a long and like sort of arduous task like it would it would take multiple teams having injuries for you to be able to get to a championship and and even then i'm not sure i'm not sure that that's what who this team is and we're seeing like this team went zero and six against the beasts of the east last year philly milwaukee and and boston and now they're zero and one and the the one loss looks just about as bad as you can possibly look in a in a big game at home. Um, but like you guys get what I'm saying about Kevin O'Connor and like like Brennan, I I know you've seen all of the the nonsense with him and Kings fans over the last 24 hours. Yeah, Sean and I may have had a conversation about this at uh, at practice earlier today, but I understand why Kings fans are maybe a little bit frustrated um, because of it largely has to do with the Demonis Sabonis stuff that he, he uh, tends to highlight when he does bad and is a little bit uh goes quiet when there's good Domas games. But I also understand the, the questions when it comes to Domas being the backline defense of a championship contention team down the line. Like I, I get his questions, um, but he was already like, I guess you could say like in the scope of Kings fans, you know, so that going out and any, crap he would have talked about the kings last night the fan base was going to go after him <laughs> is really what it comes down to for me um and i agree with you james i think that i i don't agree that they broke the kings the celtics that is or that there's no shot they get out of the first round even if i think the odds maybe aren't great there um, but everything else is accurate the the size is accurate the needing another piece to be a championship contender team is accurate it's it's everything we've said so um i get the frustration that comes from from kings fans but you know, last night there was what he said was fair. I thought for the most part, Sean, take it away. <laughs> no, look, it, it, it's just wild to me. Maybe it's just the era we live in. Like y'all can have disagreements. You can realize that this man is paid to form an opinion about NBA teams. What was so wrong? He doesn't like Devonis Sabonis. That's he, he's been pretty consistent with that since he was in Indiana. Um, like, I just don't understand the vitriol. I don't understand going at and saying <laughs> someone is awful at their job or, you know, it gets so personal. Like, he doesn't like your team. He, he doesn't like the makeup of the team. If you remember, there were plenty of people who didn't like the makeup of the team after the Tyrese Halliburton trade. How'd that work out? There's people who had to come back out and go, hey, I don't, I think I was wrong here. JJ Reddick comes to mind. It's fine. People have opinions. I mean, it's just it's just wild to me how all of a sudden it gets so nasty and personal. And again, I know social media is the breeding ground for shit like that. So whatever. But like, if anything, it should just fire you up and be like, all right, I think this guy's wrong. And then you pay more attention to it again. I don't think what I have no problem with what Kevin O'Connor said um, at all, at all. I mean, that's his opinion. Great. This is sports, people. This is sports. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I mean, at the end of the day, I think that um, the problem that some people have, and it, it would be the problem that I've, I'd point out about some of the other things that I've read out there, uh, like like uh, the ringer, Stephen Rees does his quarterback rankings where he, he started the season with Brock Purdy at like number 32, which is just ass nine. And then, you know, even and then even midway through the season, he still has Tom Brady at like number 12 and he does and he has Brock Party at like number 18 behind like Daniel Jones. And you're just like the whole time you're like, huh, I think you might just be doing this as a shtick. But at the same time, I understand why some people go, man, you you might just be really bad at your job. 
can, 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 can I can I say stop one more thing? Like bad at your job. Th- these are power rankings. These are these are designed for you to do this exact thing. Yes. You're giving them what they want. Oh, I can't believe they put Purdy 32. Uh, and then he paints a picture as to how it, if he's doing a power ranking right now, is Purdy number 32? No, he's not. Where's he got he, him now? I don't even think he has some top 10 still, but that's okay. And then every time something goes wrong and Purdy has a suspect game, he jumps right in. He jumps you know right. Oh, the- see, I was right. And I think that that's where, Kings yeah. fans are, are having problems with Kevin O'Connor. It's like, hey, look, the- man, why don't you celebrate one of the games where Sabonis, <laughs> like the last game right. where he had a triple-double, and what did he finish, like 27, like 15 and 11 or something, whatever it was. I don't know. Like Sabonis is really good, and, and his numbers are so good that his near triple-double stuff just run in together, right? There is a lot I- of people who don't look at Sabonis as like this – star player and it, and it had to do with you know obviously him getting this this max contract we talked about it at the time there he has a lot of critics and scouts and analytics and all that kind of stuff kevin o'connor has been consistent with that i the biggest middle finger people can do is not click on it not read it very true very true yeah i try to make sure that like you know i haven't been it's not no secret that i don't love the uh play of like Davion Mitchell, JaVale McGee. But, you know, I try to make sure that when they do something well, that I'm also clipping that. You know what I mean? Um, so I get the frustration a little bit, but I, I think that uh, Sean's on point. Everybody's entitled to their own opinion, and it getting personal is over the line. It's wild, man. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Yeah, yeah I- like we're just we're just three idiots here on a podcast talking what we believe. If you disagree with us, it's like, great. Well, I'm not 30 Offer yet. Contrasting- I'm not dumb. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Hey, give us a contrasting opinion. Like you can have that's what I think social media is for. Have some discourse, have a conversation. Um, but boy, people people get heated. I I look the number one thing over all of it, the passion is great. Kings are Kings fans are very, very passionate. Oh, some yeah. Of the Kings media is a little weird sometimes. Like I don't know how they all of a sudden get jumped into this, but at the same at the end of the day, like there's a passionate fan base here, and that's that's what we love most. Um, but you don't, don't take the bait people. There's the, you know what clickbait is when you see it, right? Yeah, I, I think so. But we keep falling for it. Yeah. <laughs> no, we, no, no, not, not we, we. no, we no, not. not we, no, no, not we, <laughs> no, I, I think, uh, like Kyle and I had the same discussion on ESPN 1320 today and it was basically the same thing. It's like, huh, I don't think I really can disagree with what he said, uh, but like I, I don't agree with everything that he said. Yeah, but, didn't take the Celtics game, and the Celtics didn't break the Kings. They're already broken. Look at their defense; it's awful. Yeah, it's it is terrible. Awful. They like, literally have it, all it, the same weaknesses from last season. Like we're talking about the defense, we're talking about the lack of internal leadership. How many episodes have we talked about this for? Yeah, and Mike Brown actually, years? Mike Brown, to his credit, at practice today, he's like, I think we're better than we were last year, <laughs> a little better than we were last. But he's essentially saying, no, we're about the same team. You know. See, and that's why, Sean, we say 
What do you think, Sean? Do they need to make a trade? <laughs> <laughs> if somebody like has a bingo card, they've this is close to Phil already. We're like already <laughs> we're on the same exact like train again. Oh, which player would be the best fit? Yeah, I mean, I, I like it, it is They're what it 16, is. I, it's so funny. They're sixteen and ten. I like, know. They're really good. Is, we talk about this team as if they're like three games under 500. Like, no, they're, they're, they're six games above 500. You know, this is, look, I, I think there's a conversation to be had about, you know, I think fans, media, and I know plenty of scouts, like there's a lot of people who look at this stretch for the Kings and go, okay, this is your kind of, you know, do it or get off the pot kind of moment for the Kings. Like, how do you match up against these these good teams at home, three games in four nights, back-to-back coming up? You've got uh, the holidays. You're home for the holidays. You're coming off a stretch where you won four or five, a five of six, a lot against you know opponents that you probably should have beat. But you see it. Some of their struggles have come against opponents they should have beat. They've had historically good wins this season against upper echelon opponents. How do they stack up when you go up against the Celtics, who are number one in the East, the Phoenix Suns, who are on the rise even though they have some injuries, and then you've got the Minnesota Timberwolves, who are right there with the Celtics with one of the best records in all of basketball as a first place team in the West on the second night look? of a back-to-back when you have right. never, you've gone zero and three in back-to-backs this season. And how, and how do you look like, how do you look now going into these games against three straight upper echelon opponents being where you are in the season? Is it a barometer game? Is this a yardstick game? Is this a measuring stick game? Players don't really look at it that way. And, and I made a point of trying to ask that we've, I asked that question almost every single year, sometimes multiple times to players in a year. And you can see the mindset from someone like Darren Fox and Keegan Murray today. And then even with coach Brown, where it's like, I know scouts look at this stuff. I know analytics people look at this stuff and I know coaches, especially with, you know, if they break up the season into five, 10, 15 game increments, however they do, there's a curiosity there too, that whether they'll admit it to you or not uh, publicly is another thing, but they're, they're looking at all these things and they want to see what it looks like around this time. And I think, this is a really good moment for the Kings to be able to show some things. If you go, you know, two and three, one and one and two, however it ends up shaking out, possibly zero and three, it doesn't mean that you're just not an, an, uh, a, a a team that's going to be reckoned with in the playoffs. It has no bearing on what you are in the season itself. It's just three games at the end of the day. But if you were able to come out and show something that's might be a little bit different than what you've shown this season in the wake of winning five of six going into that Celtics game, then it could speak more broadly about what strides you have or haven't made. Right? Like that's how you overall look at things. And that's some of the calculus that goes into whether or not you make moves at the deadline and trying to make your team better. Do you make good, be a little bit more aggressive? All these things kind of factor into it. So yes, I think it is a barometer. I think it is fun, but at the end of the day, it's just going to be three games within the season of 82. I think that most Kings fans were just hoping that the Kings wouldn't show up uh, with like a, the 12 inch ruler and someone else brought a yardstick. Yeah. Because that's what it just looked like. Somebody just showed you how far away you are in game one. Now, how do you respond in game two of this little barrage and in, in game three? Because if you get through this and somehow pick up two wins, somehow, even if you pick up one, the schedule gets decidedly easier. Like you have at Portland, at Atlanta, at Memphis, which again, I don't understand who wrote this schedule. This is the strangest uh, three game road trip that covers 
three different time zones. And then the Kings come back and play in a different time zone, you know, back to the Pacific at the end. Um, but then you have Charlotte, you have Orlando, you have Toronto, you have uh, the Pelicans, which you give them the Kings fits, but at Detroit, at Hornets again, like you have like a six or seven game spurt here where even if you fall flat on your face, you can rebuild. And this team could be, you know, 11 games over 500 where last year they were like five games over 500. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. It's kind of an interesting stretch here. Brennan, what do you got? Yeah, I mean, this could be in the rear view very quickly. You know, it could compile if they have tough showings against Phoenix and Minnesota, but you win these and like it's it's easy to forget, you know, like these these Pelicans games that everybody was stuck on, they feel pretty far away already, you know. So it's a long season. And I, I mean, I pretty much just agree with most of what you just said there, James. Like offensively, this team is totally rolling. And I think there are positives that you can take from that last night. Their offense held up against one of the better defenses in the league. And they did enough to win that game offensively. Defensively, it was just a dog shit performance. Like it was, it was as bad as it gets. All right, let's get to the business of basketball. I don't even want to talk about basketball. Um, nope. Let's no, just talk good. about Christmas movies. We got, Stop. we got Christmas. We got Christmas. My on, specialty. Uh, on, on uh, Monday, right? This is our last show before the holidays. Um, Sean, what's your, what's your favorite Christmas, Christmas movie of all time? Or maybe give me your, your top five, like, like list them in top five for fashion. Um, Die Hard, uh, Elf. Stop it. What? It's not a Christmas movie, guys. Brendan, you get this too. James tried to give me, I haven't even actually seen the whole thing, but I know like (laughs) if it's themed, if it's themed, in Christmas, like just because the Brennan time doesn't of know year, movies at all, he's uh, whatever he's saying the is irrelevant. Time of sure. year is Christmas a, does not make it a Christmas. Well, so movie. Santa has to be in every movie to make it a Christmas movie. What it has to be about? about Christmas. There's a Santa it in. About Christmas. Someone is dressed no. as Santa in this. It's so about Christmas that even Die Hard Two takes place during Christmas. So during Christmas, taking place during Christmas has nothing to do with Christmas. But Was last irrelevant. night a Christmas game? Was was the King Celtics game last night a Christmas game? Because well, no, we're they didn't near play on Christmas. Christmas. No, because there's two more games. It would be a Christmas game. I guess. Uh, no, I last guess. night's game, Brendan, was Sean's birthday game. That's what True. that was. Yeah. That's True. what that yeah, was. It was a big clunker, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Sean, I, I, I'm. Well, I'm I was going to say Love Actually. All, I'm going to switch those fantastic. Well, I was going to say okay. Love Actually is fantastic. I'm not going in any particular order because I think seriously, and I'm not making this up. I do uh, tend to believe. Uh, that that Die Hard is my favorite Christmas movie. Um, I, I I just love that movie, and uh, it's better than any other Christmas movie that you would call a traditional Christmas movie, in my opinion. But I love Elf. Uh, love Actually is probably two or three. And um, yeah, man, I guess you could throw a Christmas Story in there, although it just sucks that it's on so much, and it's not the movie's fault. But I think if you've seen the movie once or twice, you really like it. But if you've seen it a million times, you probably like it a little less. It's not the movie's fault. Okay. Brennan, what do you move- get? Oh. Look at that. Oh, that's Look perfect. Just freeze. I hope we Somebody screenshot that. that. We need to <laughs> yeah. screenshot it. We just broke Brendan. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to say Elf is number one. Okay. Sean, am I back? Uh, you're now back, you're now. back. We, we got a perfect freeze from you. But go ahead. Great. <laughs> the only one I got here is Elf. Um, 
I think it's a hilarious nice. movie. I hop across sidewalk sidewalks or what's it crosswalks? I will crosswalks. hop. You do hit every line. Yeah, why not? Why not? Do you huh. also eat gum not off the bottom time. of? Uh... No, no. And I also don't put a bunch of candy in my uh, spaghetti. Spaghetti. Yeah, that's a no go for me. But Elf's the only one I got here. Really, that's the only Christmas movie you believe in that you think is well that I've like really seen. To be honest, this like, is I'm, ridiculous. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie. Here, Second Sean? monitor, I might have I had know. to pull up a list here to see if any of these are oh, familiar. Office Christmas party is really good. Office <laughs> Christmas party is fantastic, and well, so is the all, night. The night before is really good too. <laughs> you guys fully miss like the one of the greatest. I, I think mine is Ooh, Elf. I'm alone. No, Home Alone is is there, but no, no. Christmas Vacation is number two. It's great. Christmas Vacation, really and then good. I would put Die Hard at number three, which okay. is gonna just to irk Brendan. Um, I don't know. I like Christmas Story is amazing. I have uh, seen The Nightmare Before Christmas, actually. Okay, but see, technically, that's, that's not. No, you cannot pull that shit after putting Die Hard. There's absolutely oh, oh. not. Absolutely. So, I mean, I'll accept you know, it. I do, right? I have a, a 13 and a half foot tall Jack yeah. uh, skeleton. Right. Um, I have him out front, and then I don't take him down for after Halloween. I just throw a Santa hat at him. And then I have Oogie Boogie, and I put a big Santa hat on him. I have animated characters all over the front yard so yeah i, I think i i'm down with that it's it's probably in the top like six seven i don't know i'm not a big love actually guy love actually is awesome i love yeah. that movie i, I you know I, I gotta put you're right though i think christmas story takes a back seat to christmas vacation that one's fantastic oh, did, and in fact we mentioned yeah. bad santa i've seen that one too actually bad santa's awesome it's so great it's so great. <laughs> Eh, I mean, it's like all right. One? I don't know. There's plenty of the Grinch. The Grinch. How dare I forget? Which one? Like the the cartoon or Jim? Carrey? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, the the Jim Carrey. The Jim Carrey. Oh, the cartoon is great too, though. Yeah, and so is the original uh, Frosty and the original uh, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer. Like the claymation like the thing that they did, like the animated thing. Yeah, yeah, that like claymation dudes. Silver and gold, silver and gold. Yeah, see? Uh, the Island of Misfit Toys, which I have used as a descriptor for the Sacramento Kings in multiple times. Um, this has definitely been the case. Uh, okay. It's a good business of basketball. I don't know what happened, but it was very off topic, but I like I, it. I scrolled yeah. through a list of 100 Christmas movies, and I think I've seen four. Give us a top 10. Give us, yeah, let's get us here. Me and okay, Sean will okay. say how many we've seen. We got uh, hands up, Sean. 100 best Christmas movies all time based of Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, made in 1944. Oh, um, Judy Garland, right? My grandmother loves that movie, so I've seen it. It is, yes. Um, yeah. The Shop Around the Corner, 1940. Jeez, nope. we're old on these ones. Uh, the Holdovers, 2023. Yeah, oh, I just saw it. It's the best movie I've seen all year. Good Love one. That movie. Okay. Paul That's G. a Christmas Marty. movie? Yeah, well, it takes place during Christmas. It's it's a Christmas break and at, a, at a, like an all-boys school, and... These all rich kids in the in the seventies, I believe it was maybe early sixties okay. in the Boston area. They have to go home for the holidays, and the ones that don't get to go home for the holidays have to stay remain on campus. And yeah, where can I watch that, movie. Sean? Where can I watch in this? the theater, like a real movie goer? No, I'm kidding. I, I think I actually I think you can get it on Amazon. I'm not sure. Uh, I think okay. if you can rent it now, but I I saw it in the theater. It's fantastic, great performance. By okay, keep going. Giamatti, Alexander Payne movie. Number four, uh, Tangerine, 2015. Don't know that. 
No clue. This uh, list is horribly disappointing. Brennan. This is this, this is, is a the weird top list. ten. The, apparently, apparently. Here, hold on, hold on. I had a different one that had a best ten. Oh god, it, this one might be over. better. It's a Wonderful Life, nineteen forty-six. Uh, number two is Die Hard. Bullshit. Whatever. See. Um, number three, Gremlins. Oh, Gremlins I've is incredible. It. What? It's no, it's a Christmas movie for sure. No, it is. TV, but... Phoebe Cates is it, it desperately hates Christmas because her dad right. got stuck in the chimney and was found a week later or something. Go ahead. Number four, Elf. But it's not good. Number five, Bad Santa. Oh, fantastic. Number six, Home Alone. Number seven, A Christmas Story. Number eight, Edward Scissorhands. Oh, yeah. Yep. Why is this? Yeah, What's going at, on there, James? We got balloons over there. I don't know James. why Where we got balloons. balloons? Just come from. Uh, okay. That was random. Um, how is Edward his scissor hands a? It's is it is it like Christmas hard? time? Yeah, and that okay. movie's yeah. not great, by the way. But anyway, I did not know that was Johnny Depp until right now. Oh wow! Number nine, uh, the Snowman, nineteen eighty two. Yeah, animated. But oh, Maybe yeah. I haven't seen the Snowman that. or just the Snowman? Uh, Raymond Briggs' book came to life once a year throughout many childhoods as the animated film was shown on British TV with religious precision. Oh, there's no chance I saw that if it was British. Yeah, probably not. Then number 10, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. Val Kilmer, great movie. See, Brennan? I got one. <laughs> Lethal Weapon is also in during Christmas time, I'll, I'll add. Which yeah, one? Like, the first the one. setting can be Christmas does not make it a Christmas movie. Uh, that's true. Whatever. Hey, let I'm me ask it. you something. If it's a baseball movie and you have baseball in it and it's centered around baseball, like would you call For Love of the Game a baseball movie? I have no clue what you're talking it. about. Yeah, no. I've seen Mr. Oh, 3000. Man. That's obviously a baseball movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jesus. Uh, ridiculous. <laughs> went off the, uh, off the rails. All right. We got to wrap this thing up. Uh, Brennan has somewhere to go. I've got somewhere to go. Sean has somewhere to go. Um, number one, we appreciate all of you. Uh, it's been a really fun year. Uh, we'll have a show next week for sure, but uh, we're going to take a couple of days off here for the holidays and celebrate with our families uh, like we hope everyone out there is doing. Um, let me see what else. Number two, the Kings play Friday, Saturday, uh, back to back at home. should be an entertaining, again, measuring stick games. Can the Kings figure out their issues with playing on the second night of back to back? Can they, uh, you know, take it to a lead on the, on the Suns and the, season series like there's a lot of question marks going on there um but i don't know do you guys have any final thoughts let's sit uh brennan first what do you got well there's a huge basketball game going on tonight i gotta say um the detroit how vigorously he you see how vigorously he brought up whatever what his keyboard <laughs> that was that was special sometimes my typing sounds a little loud i guess um the yeah Jason Anderson okay. both yes yes um the Two and twenty-five Detroit Pistons, who have lost twenty-four games in a row, are going against the ten and eighteen Utah Jazz today, who will be without Jordan Clarkson, Keontae George, Taylor Horton Tucker, Lori Markinen, and a couple of guys at the end of the bench as well. So, are they going to get closer to the record? They. That's what's it? Got. Is it twenty-three straight? They are currently at twenty-four. Oh my god! What's the record? I think it's twenty-six. Oh dear lord! It was at the Philadelphia 76ers and oh, it's got to be the process Sixers the, song. Well, no, no, the earlier, well, like the thirteen win Sixers. Okay, I don't know, twelve win, thirteen win. Uh, hmm. Okay, Sean, what do you got? I'm gonna say that the Utah Jazz win. I oh. think the same. 
I think the same. I'm going with Detroit just to be a contrarian. There you go. Sean, what do you there got There are more thoughts? Marvin Bagleys in the world than there are Detroit Piston wins this season. That's such a great tweet. I don't know so whose tweet funny. that was. I saw it on Reddit. It's so funny. Yeah. That was great. Um, um, well, I, I, my final thoughts. hope you all enjoy uh, Christmas or however you celebrate holidays or days off, whether you celebrate Christmas or not. Um, hopefully – uh, everybody has a, a tremendous week. Really appreciate the support. I can't tell you. I mean, I go out a lot more than the two of you fellas do. And uh, I got to tell you, it is, it comes up almost all the time. And it's really the podcast more so than um, things that, that I, that I do even at Fox 40 or even at channel 10 when I was there. So uh, lately it's been the podcast. Uh, they, people recognize this. They, you know, I love hearing from people when you're out in there and whether they come up and they're, you know, asking me randomly things about the Kings or whatever else. Um, tell them, letting us know that they listen to us knuckleheads and what we have to say about the team is uh, always a lot of fun. So that's great. Appreciate all the support. And how about a big 49er game coming up on Monday? That's going to be mm. uh, Niners and Ravens be down at that. Um, that's going to be a busy one. So uh yeah next week should be fun i think we'll be uh i think people will be feeling pretty good about the kings after this weekend though hmm. sean's making some predictions yeah um okay i i know brendan's got to run really quick so i'll get to my quick thoughts uh very quickly number one uh rolling with Mahomes is in the is in the fantasy football uh <laughs> like semifinals. like i, I we got a, one more win we're in we're in the super bowl for the fourth time in six years uh so pulling for us yes um outside of that uh spend some time with your loved ones like i i love christmas uh it's a huge holiday here in our household we go all out uh love spending time with the family so take a deep breath don't stress out about the kings enjoy uh <laughs> enjoy your family enjoy the 49ers game because that's gonna be like a, a just knockdown bare knuckle like battle so that should be fun um, and outside of that, again, thanks everyone out there who, uh, who supports us here at the King's beat. Uh, we love doing what we do and we love for you know, creating content for you, you guys, whether it's Sean at Fox 40, Brendan at all of the places that he does work, uh, or me at, uh, here at the King's beat and at ESPN 1320. So for Fox 40, Sean Cunningham and Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast, I am James Ham, your Kings Insider for the Kings Beat and ESPN 1320. Make sure to give us a thumbs up. Jump on board with the Kings Beat. Have a great Christmas. And we'll see you very soon. today during the Jeep celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE or Summit 4xE. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer and set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.